Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Whatever that possession is that you want, it's yours. You you weren't quite sure on that, were you? It is. Whatever it is that you want, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. John chapter 14, verse 14. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. And unto him that knocketh it shall be opened. I want America back. And I won't settle for anything else. Listen, whatever the ark churches do, whatever the weak need, bent need, bent over churches do, that's on them. They can do whatever it is they want to do. Listen, they were bent over long before COVID ever hit. They can do whatever it is that they want to do. Just so everybody knows, what I mean by that is in the strictest proctological sense. Just so you know, there's nothing more invasive than a proctological exam. (laughs) Believe me, I know. Can't get into the police academy without one. We are well able to overcome it. I don't care what you're seeing. I don't care what's happening. I don't care how powerful they look or they don't look. It doesn't matter. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, do you think that people needed to be quieted when COVID hit? Yeah, they need to be quieted. 99.9% survival virus and the church closes. That's when Caleb would have stepped up and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. That's what should have happened because that's the word of God. There's no compromise. All all the garbage about you need to add wisdom, your wisdom for sense and the wisdom of God. The world through its wisdom did not even know God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21. Drop it all and stand in the word of God. That's all that you need to do. Do exactly what the word of God tells you to do. Don't do exactly what the word of God tells you not to do. It's as simple as that. Life is easy. It's easy. It's not complicated. You know, for some of you, the hardest thing in the world is for you to be nice. The word of God tells you to be nice. Then you should be nice. For some of you, the hardest thing to do is to tell people the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. It does not rejoice in iniquity. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse six. Everybody thinks that truth is love is truth that love is truth avoidance. Love is telling people the truth, even if it costs you your relationship with them. A man's enemies will be the members of their of his own household, and a lot of us are afraid to tell our grandpa the truth. Tell him the truth. Tell him what's really happening in the world. God will open the doors. I didn't say for you to kick the door in. Philemon 1 6 it pray that you may be active in sharing your faith and God will swing open the doors the only question will be if you will walk through it 
Are you will? Are you willing? I haven't seen some family members for two years because I'm part of the great unwashed. <laughs> proud, proud, never sleever, right here. Proud. If you don't know what that means, it means never vexer. I'm not taking that thing. <laughs> Why would anybody? I'll tell you the same thing that I'll actually start to preach this message. I haven't started yet. This is all for my own free time. But I'll tell you the same thing that I say just about every Sunday. I really truly don't understand how people are not preaching. How are they not preaching about the mark of the beast? I don't care where you sit in the book of Revelation pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, I don't care. How are you not preaching about this? How has this not caused a worldwide revival? The disappearance of the flu alone should have caused a worldwide revival. How does the flu disappear off the planet? It's one illogical, stupid thing after another that nobody responds to. You have the NIH removes gain-of-function research off of its website. How is Kyle Rittenhouse even on trial? It's one ridiculous, stupid thing after another. I, I rejoice that, listen, I rejoice that he got off. But there never should have been a trial. That's like saying, oh, praise the Lord, there's oxygen in the air. Well, of course there's oxygen in the air. It should be a given. Like my mom loves me. It should be a given. Not having to rejoice because your God-given rights were given to you. They're God-given. So how in the world the church is avoiding what's unfolding is truly unbelievable to me. I don't care who it is that you're following, except for just a few men. Everybody's preaching about something else. Not us. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now I'll start the message. Now, O Israel, here, here's pre the premise behind what I'm telling you. The promise comes with a command. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. So there we have it, right? There is our promise. Now, we have a different sort of promise that I'll elaborate on in just a minute. But we have a promise. Amen? You shall not, verse 2, add to the word which I command you, nor take from it. That you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. So here you have, you have your promised land. America is promised to the church. But the church did what? Added to the word and took from it. Therefore, now we have an evil regime. When you strap a lie on your face, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Tom, we're tired of you preaching about politics. This isn't politics. If you strap lies on your face and you lock down your churches in the name of lies, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You sowed lies, you got a liar in the White House. You ended up with a fraudulent election based in lies. That's what happened. Why? 
Why? Because the church, no matter what, is Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot, cannot be hidden. So everybody looked up at the church and said, what? You don't think that's what they do, but they do. Why is it, why is it that only Christianity gets canceled and no other religion? Because no matter what, they're looking up at you. Understand, that's why they come for you. Understand something. Does anybody attack the really, really bad football teams and the bad football coaches? No, they're filming Nick Saban. They're filming Bill, filming Bill Belichick, trying to catch him cheating. I'm not saying whether they're cheating or not. But nobody cares about the Washington football team. Nobody cares. They're looking up at you because they want what you have, whether they know it or not. It's an innate yearning. They want what you have, and they're looking up at you. And when the church, as that shining city on a hill, closed, they, ushered, they looked at us, and they did exactly the same thing. And it ushered in what we have now. All the pastors that are saying, man, I can't stand Joe Biden, but you strap mask on your face. Joe Biden is your reward. Like politics, Paul. It's not, listen, I can mention any name. Baby butcher or not, that's what I look at. You butchering the unborn or are you not? That's all I care about. That's all that matters to me. That's where it starts. Murderers from the beginning. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Always follow the bodies. They created COVID themselves. It's killed one to five million people, depending on what you believe. Then they created the vaccine, which is now killing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. It works every time. The response to COVID killed three to 400 million people in the third world because when the first world shuts down, the third world doesn't eat. Everything that they do works for death. They butcher the unborn. It's well over 100 million babies have been butchered in the womb since March of 2020, the beginning of COVID-19. The death never ends. It's one death after another. Every single country right now that is 70% or above vaccinated, what's going on in their countries? They're overrun with COVID. Exactly as the plan is because they are of their father, the devil. That's why you catch the globalists all the time acting in hypocritical ways. They're not afraid of that which they're telling you to be afraid of. They walk around Nancy Pelosi at a, at a crowded wedding, conducting the wedding. Chuck Schumer on his vacation out there dancing around in a crowded room. They're, they, I don't know what's wrong with these people. I get that you're 70-something years old. But listen, when I was in the beginning of my law enforcement career in the 90s, there were no cell phones. There was no technology. As a matter of fact, I don't think I had a smartphone until... I don't know, 10 years ago, something like that. Do these people not understand that everything you do is taped? Everything you do is videoed? It's amazing to me how they go out in their galactic hypocrisy and they don't think anybody's going to know. But what happened was, is the church added to the word. There is, there is nothing but the word. That's it. Jesus is the word. John chapter 1 verse 1. John chapter 1 verse 14. Jesus is the word. There's no adding. Life is simple. It really is simple. Whatever the word tells you to do, you do. 
He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. So disease has no part in my life. Period. That's it. It's over. Yeah, but I've stood on that before and I had disease come in. Me too. But you know what I didn't change? My theology. I knew that it was because of unbelief. So I attacked the unbelief. How do you attack the unbelief? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Once again, Romans 10, 17. The old covenant promised land, Numbers chapter 13, verse 27, was what? Because this is not ours. The old covenant promised land was a land mass. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit, is what the spies said, right? That is their promise, was a land mass. But who are you, Christian? Most Christians have no idea who they are. The world should be terrified of you. But they're not, because what it is, is Christians are just members of the Chamber of Commerce. Community organizers, good neighbors, community partners, givers to the YMCA, which butchers the unborn, partners with them all. You're not to be yoked together with unbelievers. Who are you, Christian? You've got to learn to dwell in this. Instead of making this a sort of Christian mythology, you've got to learn to dwell in the Word of God and believe the Word of God and speak the Word of God over yourself. Stop being an underachiever. But you are, listen, a lot of you should have amen that. You're known by your fruit. You're like, what did I walk into this morning? This is real church. This is what church is supposed to be like. You should be feeling some heat in the seat. You should be nervous. You might have to work a nerve. You may have to say out loud, I failed. I've told you this before. When you failed as often as I have, you have to learn to be a master of apology. Learn to embrace it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Most of us know this verse, but we don't live in this verse. But you are, you are a chosen generation. Chosen. Do you know what chosen means? Chosen. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You have five titles. You do. I don't care. Listen, I don't care whether you've had an abortion in the past. I don't care how much sexual immorality has been in your life. I don't care how much you failed. I don't care if you have a criminal record. All things are brand new. For, listen, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Brand new. This is who you are. I don't care. I don't care that you're unvaccinated. You're like me, part of the great unwashed. You have a title. You actually have five titles. Five of them. Here they are. Chosen generation. Royal priesthood. Holy nation. His own special people. The people of God. Those are your five titles. They belong to you. I don't care what your past is. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. 
That was written by the man who butchered people inside the church. You leave the past where it belongs. And by the way, that's not just bad past. That's good past. Stop making your, your good past better than it was. It's always what I, mean, I see this all the time in Inglewood. Guys that are my age still talking about their football days at Lemon Bay High School Stadium. Leave it. Who cares? You're 48. Nobody cared when you were 17. Think about how much they care now and how ridiculous you look. Stop talking about yourself. It wasn't that great. Leave it behind. What are you? In that royal priesthood, listen to those, listen to those five titles. Chosen, priesthood, holy nation, special people, people of God. You are the new Levitical order. That's who you are. Now, does that mean that you go out and you start buying yourself priestly robes? Then you violate the word of God. I'll show you. We'll differentiate between the two. But right now, you are the new Levitical order. You have Aaron and his sons who minister in the word and an entire tribe that helps them minister in the word. That is the Levitical order. You might be thinking, I'm not called to full-time ministry. It doesn't matter. You're called to full-time support ministry. You are called to full-time ministry, period, in some form or fashion. You are the new Levitical order. We do not possess a land mass. Our promise is not a promised land. Our promise is the promises of God. Numbers 18.20, it's laid out. This is who you are. The Lord, then the Lord said to Aaron. So if he's saying this to Aaron. He's saying it to you. Because he is speaking to the chief Levite, the chief priest, the head of the Levitical order, someone who's actually going to minister in the word. His entire tribe will support him in the word. But listen to this. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land. Nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and I am your inheritance among the children of Israel. Your promise, your promised land is God himself. Your promised land is the word of God himself. This belongs to you. There isn't any other promise coming your way. This is it. Everything contained in here is your promise. Now, the moment that you pray for something, it becomes the word of God. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. What about really stupid prayers? Well, that's on you if you're going to be stupid. I'm saying the promises of God. This, I, don't, I don't give any allotment for stupid people. I'll just tell you. You're being stupid, you're being stupid. Stop being stupid in Jesus' name. You shall have no, no inheritance among normal people. Our prizes should not be boats. Our prizes should not be vacations and retirements. Our prize is the presence and the power of God. That's what we should be rejoicing in. That's what we should be looking for. Not anything, listen now, or anybody else. You shall have no inheritance. You know what no means? 
There you go. No inheritance in their land. You say, tell me, Tom, you're not suddenly, Tom, you're not for prosperity. Absolutely, because that's the promise of God. Everything you lay your hands to, Psalm chapter 1, verse 3, will be prospered. That's the promises of God. What I'm saying is we have no inheritance in the world system. We don't go with the world's ups. We don't go with the world's downs. We have no inheritance there. It has nothing to do with you. All the boats stacked up outside of L.A., record hyperinflation. Nobody's going to have Christmas presents this year. That doesn't belong to you. That's not your inheritance. That's theirs. Let them enjoy it, including the ark churches. Let them have it. You don't have to jam an mRNA vaccination into your arm because whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you loosed is loosed. Not that that thing binds anything anyway. It definitely looses things. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You do not get a promised landmass, you receive the promises of God. The, let me just, I'm gonna burst some bubbles and I'm gonna blow up some bubbles. Ready? Your reward of salvation is not heaven. Stop living for heaven. This is going to bother some of you. That's actually not correct at all. You don't sit on earth going someday. If I can just hang on, I'll make it to heaven. Look at me. That's actually heresy. You are to have life in its full abundance. All the time, 24-7, mountaintop to mountaintop. That's what's supposed to happen. But many Christians, they go under the wrong theology of someday I'll be happy when I get to heaven. You have received and been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He, look at me now, listen, listen, listen. He is the reward of salvation. Not it. He is. The Holy Spirit is your reward of salvation. Nothing changes then. Nothing changes for you. There's no difference. When you cross into heaven or when Jesus comes back and we're raptured out of here, nothing changes. Because we've already received our promise. We'll live in the presence of the Holy Spirit there. We live in the presence of the Holy Spirit here. When the thousand year reigns will reign, we'll live in the presence of the Holy Spirit again here. Nothing changes. But most Christians are miserable because they're like, well, life is miserable, but someday we'll all go to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. It should be now. That's a whole song. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't feel them all the time. That's on you. And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that you have to feel anything all the time. Believe me, I'm not. But if you're miserable, it's because you don't dwell in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You don't believe correctly. You're going after things that will never make you happy. They won't. Children won't make you happy. Husbands and wives will not make you happy. You're not designed for it. The greatest career and the most money you could ever have, the next acquisition will not make you happy. 
Only you, not the Holy Spirit will make you happy, only if you decide to dwell in his presence. You have to get yourself past the outer courts into the presence of God. How do you do that? I'll show you. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. His divine power has given to us all things. What's the deep and theological meaning of the word all? See, a lot of people, they devalue that verse. They invalidate it because they go, well, that hasn't worked for me. I'll tell you some advice that my wife has given me. There's things that I am trying to overcome in my own life right now. Steps that I want to take. And sometimes I get a little frustrated, but she goes, here's the deal. You need to remember is that you sowed decades into the opposite. Like what kind of life are you leading? Tom, I'm just talking about spiritual growth. Escaping out. The, uh, the Jonathan Shuttlesworth quote. Your mind is a tool, but it's a horrible master. I'm trying to get out of my head. But if, a lot of people, I've tried. How much have you tried? You go to, you go, you, just using law enforcement as an example, you go and you go to the police academy, you go for training long periods of time, and you train your entire career. But people get saved and like, I'm just miserable. I don't know what to do. I think I'm going to go back to Egypt. You never even tried Jesus. You never tried him. You never given him a chance. You never are still and know him. You're constantly scrolling and scrolling, whether figuratively or literally. I told you, I chronicle the people around me in my neighborhood. I watch them. Tom, you must have no life. That's true. I don't want a life. I don't, I don't want your minivan life. I'm good. But I chronicle, I go around the neighborhood and I watch them try to fill because I walk the same path all the time. I'm a walker. I walk hours every day. And I watch them and I watch them try to fill the void. Oh, there's my neighbor again out there mowing his yard. Again, they're adding more landscaping and more landscaping. They're out on Sunday morning adding more landscaping and more. It's not going to fill the void. Oh, I see you got the camper. That's always there. Motorcycle, RV, boat. I watch them all. And it will never work. And that's what happens with Christians. They'll end up walking away from their only hope. Well, you know, I've gotten tired of just religious church. You know, we go there all the time and nothing changes. What have you sown? What do you put in the ground? Hey, listen, we are, we are a good giving church. We're not a great giving church. We are a good giving church. We're a slightly above average. But what have you put into the ground? Well, Tom, you know, I've gone up and said, what can I do to help? That's, how do I know? Do I have your relationship with the Holy Spirit? How am I supposed to know what you're supposed to do? Tom, what, is there something I can do here at the church? I don't know. My wife gets all over me because she's like, you don't even know what goes on here. She's, like I'm watching the clock today because Heather and Hope, the two soulless wonders that guard and watch over and run my life. Don't, don't watch this movie, but if you ever want to see, like don't watch the whole thing because there's some nudity in it, but. Blade Runner 2049, 
If you ever, the bad girl that's in there, the bad person, the bad guy is actually a fantastic female character who's actually a robot herself, has no soul. That's Heather and Hope. Go there and watch that. You'll be like, hey, there they are. But I'm watching the clock today because they're like, you know, you need to get out earlier because everybody's waiting and there's no parking. Because you don't, you don't actually see these things. See, bringing that back to the message, what do we actually know? How, how blind are we? How much, how much time have we spent allowing God to remove the blinders from our eyes? Before we go, I give up. You certainly put a lot more time into that with your job. You, you, you're never so offended that you leave your job. But people get offended and leave churches all the time. The only reason why you should leave a church that God has called you to is God telling you to go. Not Tom ticking me off. Oh, I'm offended. They messed up. Well, of course we messed up. You don't mess up. Tom blew that one. Well, of course. I've sinned as the pastor. I've lied as the pastor. I've sinned since I've been the pastor of this church. I don't always handle any, everything correctly. Do you? So you're going to move on to the next guy? Great move. That's real growth there now. Your offense is fantastic growth. Again, I tell you, if you struggle with offense, please, literally, I'm pointing right at it. L.A. Angel Middle School is right there. In today's society, you can identify as anything. Go there as a 48-year-old male and say, I am a 12-year-old girl. I am offended. I would like to sign up for the seventh grade today. Do it. Get in there. That's who you are. I don't care. Listen, I don't care if you can beat me up either. There's men in here that can hand it to me. I know. And you go ahead. You're still a 12-year-old girl who's beating up a fat 53-year-old. That's all you are. Knock it off. What are you offended? I didn't like their attitude. I don't agree with their decisions. So what? Has God released you? Then you're with me. God saw to it that a lot of your church is closed. So you are forced to come to me. Because God wants you to wake from your slumber. He wants that army of dry bones to rise. Well, you, you needed that kick. You've been sedated for so long by our church kyped internet messages that you are so asleep right now, you've forgotten who you are. Or maybe you never even knew. I'm here to tell you. His divine power has given to us all things. We're back at 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. All things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him. If you don't study, you don't know. You don't even know. Well, that's not very sexy. Study. I told you this before. I think I told you last week. People come up to me. Tom, you know, we just marvel at how much of the Bible you know. Okay, listen to me. I graduated in the middle of my class everywhere. I'm not claiming what my IQ is, whether it's high or whether it's low. I am telling you this. The only reason why I have any knowledge of the Bible is time. 
I shut the world down. Ask my wife. I'm in my office by myself memorizing the Bible. Hour upon hour upon hour upon hour. That way all situations that come to me, I answer with the word. I answer with the word, not my wisdom, not my past experience. I, don't, I know past experience is factual. That people were not healed when you prayed for them. I understand that that's a fact. But let God be true and every man a liar. In comparison to the word of God, it's a lie. That's like where you see in scripture where Jesus says, if, it, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. He doesn't mean that literally. He's saying in comparison. If you had to choose, your past experiences are lies in comparison to the word. You stand in the word. You say something was wrong back there. Even though it was a fact, something was wrong. I stand in the word. Because his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Remember, who are we? We are the new Levites. Our promise is this, partaking of the divine nature. How? Because you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, which we'll get into in a second. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now let's look at the duties of the old covenant priesthood in comparison to what ours are. They're not that different. They're just, you're moving into where you had the old symbolic covenant Versus the new spirit-filled covenant. How, where was the Holy Spirit back then? He's in the Holy of Holies behind the veil. You go in there wrong, they'll drag you out dead. Uh, had that really changed? Not too much. Ask Ananias and Sapphira. That's why the world should be terrified of us. Why aren't they terrified? Because there's no Holy Spirit. There's a whole lot of religion. There's a whole lot of friendliness, but there's not a whole lot of Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been replaced with a false love narrative and a false friendliness. Friendship, food, fellowship, and fun. We love you no matter what. There's no sin that's too big for God. Really? Ask Ananias and Sapphira that. You never go so far to go beyond God's grace. Really? Is that what Hebrews chapter 6 verse 6 says? See, these people, if you see people, you hear people quoting things that are not the Bible, understand that they're heretics. Numbers 18, 1 through 5. Duties of the priests and Levites. And I do want you to see the distinguishment. There are people that are called. It's actually in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Those who labor among you. Who are, those who are your elders or labor among you, especially those who deal in the word and doctrine, are worthy of double honor. Saying that so you get double honor? I don't care. Do what you will. I'm just saying that's how we live. That's how I live. When I, when I go and I'm around the people that I consider to be pastoral authority in my life, I give them double honor. Why do I do that? Because that's what the Bible says to do. But they're, you know, God's not a respecter of persons. I understand that, but that's what the Bible says. I don't worship them. I don't esteem them higher than you. I give them double honor. 
That's why there's so much disrespect in the church. Well, there's no disrespect here at Foundation Church. That's correct. As you disrespect here, bye-bye. That's why you feel safe right now. You may be scared, <laughs> but you feel safe. You think some lunatic's going to jump up and take over this service? No. You've probably already seen it happen where I correct people in the midst of services. It's the way it is. Duties of priests and Levites. Then Aaron, uh, Numbers chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. Numbers 18, 1 through 5. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you and your sons in your father's house with you shall bear the iniquity related to the sanctuary. And you and your sons with you shall bear the iniquity associated with the priesthood. We deal in iniquity. Well, you know, we're all, we're, we're to be, what's that, what, how's it go? Not to be sin conscious. That's the stupid term. Can't remember. But you're not, you, we're, we're not supposed to focus on sin. That's not what the Bible says. If you don't focus on sin, how do people get saved? We are dealing in the grace of God. Which deals with sin. You and your sons with you shall bear the iniquity associated with the priesthood and with the people of Israel. Also bring with you your brethren of the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that they may be joined with you and serve you while you and your sons are with you before the tabernacle of witness. So whether or not you are called to pastor or not, you are the Levitical order. You're either pastoring, preaching, evangelizing, do whatever it is that God calls you to do, or you are supporting those things. And how do you support them? In every way. Bring your tithes into the storehouse. They shall attend to your needs and all the needs of the tabernacle, but they shall not come near the articles of the sanctuary and the altar, lest they die. They and you also. Kind of important. They shall be joined with you. Listen to this now. I'm going to focus on verse 4. Numbers 18.4. They shall be joined with you and attend to the needs of the tabernacle of meeting. For all the work of the tabernacle. But an outsider shall not come near you. What on earth, Tom? That's not the modern church. That's correct. Because the modern church has a condo in the middle of the city. Instead of being a city on a hill. You're supposed to come out from among them and be separate. How is that loving? Don't care. I'm not trying to be loving. Lo that sort of love is actually heresy. Love is whatever the word of God says. That's love. We're supposed to be among them and, you know, be like Mother Teresa. No, that's not the Bible. I'm going to be what the Bible tells me to be. When I was at the sheriff's office, everybody knew I was different. They knew. I had people apologize. Oh, sorry, Tom, we cussed in front of you. I'm not saying everybody did that. I'm just saying people did it. They all knew. I remember one time, if you ever see Lynn Brown in here. She was back there and there was a guy that was talking to me about his dating and he was actually ripping this girl because she was an evangelical. Why she was dating him, I don't know. She needs to spend five minutes with me. Because I know that guy. Cops. Anyway. She's back there and he's ripping this evangelical girl. And Lynn Brown's back there going, because I was there. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> 
They all knew where I stood. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that I walk around with a haughty head. I'm above everybody. No, Jesus is above everybody. His spirit lives on the inside of me. Therefore, I am elevated. How, how are people one? John chapter 12, verse 32. How are people one? Loved or lifted? And I, if I shall be lifted up above the earth, will draw all men unto me. Not your love lifting Jesus. That, listen, that may require love acts. I'm not saying that it won't. But the first thought should be shining city on a hill. Come out from among them and be separate. There, but an outsider shall not come near you. How does this relate to the New Testament? Let's look. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 through 18. Warning against idolatry. Now this is, of course, the verse you hear all the time. That's what we'll start with, but we'll go deeper. This is the don't date non-Christians verse. It means way more than that. Just so do not be yoked together with unbelievers. That's 2 Corinthians 6.14. What is a yoke? Since most of us do not deal in oxen, I would venture to say there's probably nobody in this room who's ever owned an ox. But a yoke is a giant piece of wood, a block of wood with holes sewn in it that are about this big where it swings open. The head goes through and then you yoke it there so now your head can't get out. And they used to yoke oxen together so that they'd walk the same path because if they didn't, they'd break their own necks. That's how you train an ox. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Look at me now. If you are currently yoked with an unbeliever in your business, you ought to be making plans to get out. There's probably some people not amen in that right now. Yeah, but he's a good producer. Doesn't matter. You're looking for trouble. It's coming. Just so you know, it's coming. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. That's dating. That's business. Anything. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Tom, are you saying when I can't work for an unbeliever? Yes, you can because you're not yoked to them. It's partnership. You don't partner with an unbeliever. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Baal? The Christ and the devil? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? So you see how this, stretch, this stretches forth into the land of COVID? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? If an unbeliever is dictating to you what to inject into your bloodstream, and you do it, you're partnered with them, just like you'd be partnered with a whore. There is no difference. Why in the world the church suddenly takes its marching orders from people at the NIH and CDC, which are corrupt and baby butchers from the beginning, I do not know, because they are, quote, unquote, the experts. Experts at what? Demonic activity? And then the church does what they say? 
What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I, live, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Well, if I do that, my, there might be some of my family members who don't like me anymore. I never said, listen, I never said, try to make people dislike you. You stand in the word, whatever their response is, it is. When you see verses in the Bible where it says God hardened their heart, it's not God coming down and touch you and harden their heart. It was their response to God. God hardened their heart. Their response to God was hardness, not God touching their heart and hardening them. Jesus said it in John chapter 8, verse 45. Because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Their heart was hardened by the truth. Not by lies. Their heart was hardened by the truth. If they're hardened by your presence, that's on them. But I love them. That's not the Bible. The Bible is for you to shine. Period. You are a living sacrifice. Your agenda has no place. Look at me now, super soccer moms. Your agenda has no place. You are not a people pleaser. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. That includes your mom. That includes your dad. That includes your kids. That includes grandpa. Period. You are God's. You are bought at a price. You are purchased. Well, I don't, that's not very American. Don't care. Doesn't matter whether it's American or not. He's Yahweh. He's God. I remember struggling with this when I first got saved. I was sitting at a, in a class at Edison Community College, way in the back in a humanities class, 100 kids in there. And I had just gotten saved, and I was thinking about worship, and I was like, it's very prideful of God for, for him to desire my worship. I mean, isn't it kind of arrogant? And suddenly the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I am worthy. That's it. Person, people are not worthy of that. Why are you bowed to them? Thanksgiving's coming. What are you going to do? I'm not bowing. You want to have Thanksgiving with me? Fine. There ain't going to be no masks. There ain't going to be no vax. There ain't going to be no vaccine passports. There ain't even be a mention of it because I've never changed one day. If anybody else wasn't talking about it, I wouldn't even be talking about it. Come out from among them and be separate. You should be distinguishable from the world. And I mean easily distinguishable. And just let me say this because I always have to do it because I want to guard you. Not weirdness. You weirdos in here because there's weirdos in here. And I love you. I'm trying to deliver you out of being weird so you'll actually have an impact. Because the only impact you're having right now is in your mind. In your mind, you are an apostle, a pastor of pastors, an intercessor. Intercessor's nowhere in the Bible. There's one God and one mediator between God and man. Therefore, you calling yourself an intercessor is heresy. You don't intercede. There's one God and one mediator, one intercessor between God and men. The man, Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Don't need your intercession. 
Not in that capacity. You want to pray over my needs? Great. But you're interceding? No, thank you. Heretic. You're just weird. That's why I'm telling you. Whenever you use the verse, First Timothy, I mean, First Peter chapter 2, First uh, Timothy chapter 2, 9 and 10, but you are a royal priest of the holy nation, his own peculiar people, or something, and people, oh, yes, finally, something that validates me. Jesus was not weird like that. Jesus scared people from power, not the weirdness of his personality. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. Boy, that sounds awfully religious. This is the new covenant. This is the new covenant. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is the new covenant too. Touch no unclean thing. Well, I just believe the grace of God can overcome all evil. That's not true. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. Titus 2, 11 and 12. Back to Numbers 18, 1, 1 through 5. Verse 5, and you shall attend to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar that there may be no more wrath on the children of Israel. You and I are now the sanctuary. So you have to attend to yourself. Well, you know, I don't like to focus on myself. You're wrong. My life is about other people. Wrong again. You love your neighbor as... So if, however you love yourself is the only way that you're capable of loving. So if you have self-loathing, you loathe your neighbor. That's all you have. You're depressed, you're de- giving depression to your neighbor. A hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. Though the righteous are delivered by knowledge. It's a proverb, but I forgot which one. You are now the sanctuary. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know? Whenever a verse starts like that, that's because people are struggling with what? They're not knowing. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple? Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of God? Are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, here's the thing. You are to attend just like the Levitical order of old. You are to attend to the temple. Period. Now, how do you do it? Let's get to the rudimentary. I'm only allowed to speak for another 10 minutes, according to Hope and Heather. Because I don't know what's going on around here. Love them both. How does one attend to the duties of the sanctuary? It's funny what the Lord focuses on, right? So we just read 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. So what should we read now? We should read 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 18, right? Put it in context. How does one attend to the duties of the sanctuary? Now, what have I said for years? Those of you that have attended, there's not too many people that have attended for years. Most people don't survive this church more than two weeks. Congratulations if you have. Hang on, dig your claws in, learn not to be offended, and stay. It's just the Bible. 
All I'm telling you is what the Bible says. Any that's my opinion that you can distinguish as my opinion or that I tell you is my opinion, throw it out. But don't throw out what the Bible says. Well, I don't, you know, I believe in certain things, but, you know, Tom says that people should speak in tongues. Does the Bible tell you that you're supposed to speak in tongues? Then you should speak in tongues. Don't throw that out. How does one attend to the duties of the sanctuary? It's funny what the Lord focuses on here and something that I've said for years. It comes out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. For of this sort are those who creep into households, making captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Having a, verses before that, 2 Timothy 3, 5, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. Look at the warnings. If you are to attend to the temple, 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 18. The title is sexual immorality. Tom, this is church. You're going to talk about, yep. Yep. And I'm not talking from, listen, from somebody who's never sexually sinned. I have. Guilty was. No longer will be held to my account. So I'm not sitting there going, you're disgusting. I'm not. I'm telling you that if God focuses on sexual immorality, why is it not focused on inside the church? I have the right to do, I have the right to do anything. Verse 12, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and stomach for the food and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Remember, these are the verses that are coming into, do you not know? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. This is the verses leading to that. Why do I speak this? Because sexual immorality is prevalent inside the church. If you just got saved, for of this sort are those who creep into households, making captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. As soon as some woman gets saved, I'm like, I've told you this before, I know it's redundant. But I'm like, as soon as I see a woman get saved, I'm like, I'm wondering when he's coming. Because Satan is sending the guy to see if you will overcome loneliness. Let's, see, let's test him, like Job. Let me see if they're going to, let me see if they'll pass the test. Because that guy is coming. Pornography is coming for you, men. Barely even need women anymore. Dave Matthews, the famous musician, says, I don't even see the point of having a relationship anymore because of pornography. Same thing. You better watch it. I know why men go to hell. I don't know why women go to hell because I've never been a woman. And I'm not trying to get in touch with my feminine side. And I have one. I do. I was watching Mistletoe Promise this morning, getting dressed for church. Great one. Good movie. Kelly Pickle. Good stuff. I don't know why. All I know is this, though. I see the struggle is the same, but maybe for different reasons. With men, it's just hardcore lust. 
with women is filling some void that I do not understand. Because I don't understand. I understand, my, and there's no worse than mine. I'm just telling you, I don't understand how women go for the same idiot time after time after time after time, and they don't see it. They're blind. I don't get it. No more women are going to hell than men. I'm just saying that. I don't get that, but I do understand the man side. It's a different mindset. And what, I don't care what the Democratic Party says, men and women are different. I either told this service this, or I told the other service this, and I don't know whether it was last week, the week before, or whatever, but I will tell you this one last time for now. Maybe I'll break it out again in 2022. But I'll be married on December 7th for 25 years. 25 years. Now, in those 25 years, every single opportunity I ever have to see my wife naked, I'm trying to do it. I'm dead to the wall asleep. She gets up before I do. And I'm dead to the wall asleep if there's even a chance that she walks through the room. Back to sleep. I hear the bathroom door open. Back awake. Back to sleep. Now in those 25 years of my thousands upon thousands upon thousands of, oh, I didn't know you were getting dressed in here moments. Let me count the ones how many times she's tried to see me naked. Zero. Men and women are different. But the warnings are the same. I don't know why she doesn't want to get up on all this, but she doesn't. I've never lost interest. None. I think I'm more interested now. Seriously. It's just the truth. There you go. Truth is truth. But he tells us here that we all have to attend to the temple and we at all, men and women, male and female, need to be watching for sexual immoralities. For by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, verse 14, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Think about that before you go to Pornhub. And I've been there. I'm just telling you, don't do it. You may never get out. You may never come back. Shall I then take members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Women, when you get saved, and the guy from juniors, you've dated your entire adult life. And I don't mean the same guy. I just mean the same type of guy over and over and over again in some sort of pseudo redneck white trash love. Knock it off. Stop. Come out from among them and be separate. Enough of them having their hands on you. 
You do not unite yourself with the prostitute, the prostitute of this world, which in the book of Revelation is what the world is called. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. Verse 17. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. That's you. Look at me. That's you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I don't feel that way. It's because you don't spend any time sowing into it. Shut it all off. Shut it all off. Get into the Lord who deals with you in secret will reward you openly. Get into the secret place of the Lord every day until he tells you to walk out. I just can't stand still. I got to be doing something. You're carnal. You're a carnal person. Well, you know, I've always, you know, there's lots of things that have to get done. You're trying to fill a void just like this guy with the motorcycle. Ladies, it may be you. I've always got to be doing something. Always got to be getting ahead of things. My wife always does. Always has to get one more thing done as we're walking out the door. Can't we just for once walk out the door? (laughs) Notice I'm not looking to my right. Mm -hmm. Verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. And what is sexual sin for the believer's body? Is a sin against the temple of the Holy Spirit. I better sew it up here. Worship team, make your way. I could preach a lot longer. This is what you need to be praying now. Having some meetings this week. Be praying over that. When we do, we're going to have one service and it'll be longer than this. I'm not saying we're going to be here for 10 hours. I'm just saying it'll be longer than this. We'll have one. We'll go back to one service. We'll all be together until we fill that place. And then we'll have to have another two services again, which we will. Listen, people will say that there's nothing like you, Tom. No, there's nothing like us. It's nothing like us. There's nothing like us. We're different. We are, we're different. Finish with this. This is how you attend to the sanctuary. I'm going to read these six verses to you. Most of you know them. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22. This is how, now that you are, you don't go to temple, you are the temple. How do you attend to it? You rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. And here's the Christian's responsibility. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Not all evil. Even the mere appearance of evil. Because listen, you are a shining city on a hill filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, you don't need to. In this week of Thanksgiving, you just need to be thankful and enjoy your life. Shut down everything else. We're going to win anyway. We're going to win anyway.
I'll have to break this out, Aaron, in the second service. We've got to break out those protest videos. I couldn't do it to you. I just couldn't have the heart to do it to you on this one. I was going to drop it on, but it was like three minutes before the service. He does so much, I couldn't do it to him. But watch it when you can, because you'll see it in the second service. You should see it, what's happening around the world. It's not being reported. The media is liars. They're of their father, the devil. They're liars. There is, there was a protest in Austria, which just locked down all their unvaccinated people. Problem is, this country has only got like, I don't know, seven, eight million people in it. Three million are unvaxxed. They're like, no, you should see it. Have you ever seen the beginning of the movie Gladiator? Where the Roman Empire is actually fighting the Germanic Empire, which was Austria. They sound like that on the streets. You got to see it. Seriously, I'll play it on the podcast, but I mean, you got to see it. It's really unbelievable. I'm going to play it in the second service. It's really, really unheard of. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people everywhere. Melbourne is awake. They're not dead. The only place I'm not seeing mass, mass protests is Canada. New York City was filled with people yesterday. Yesterday, protesting against the vaccine. New York City, not exactly a Tom Lipley haven, a bastion of right-wing conservatism. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. Thank you so much for joining us. We know that when there are this many people in person or watching online, that there is a chance that some have not started a relationship with Christ. If that's you, and you would like a relationship with Jesus that washes away the stain of sin, You will need to start by repenting of your sin, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and asking him to be the Lord over your life. That means giving up control. If you have never prayed this or you have fallen away and want to return to the kingdom of life, repeat this prayer after me and mean it. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them, and I give you my life from this day on, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you said that prayer, you are saved. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.